Well, suddenly a new budget in the UK. It was going to be in two weeks' time, but they changed that to, well, today, just about, and reversing almost everything to try and win over the markets. Bond traders are in charge now, it seems. Uh, that's seen moves, uh, big moves in the UK in yields and a strengthening pound as well. We'll look at how that spilled over to other markets. A big jump in shares in the US today, for example. But will it stick? And RBA minutes today. Why did they raise by just 25 basis points last time? We'll look at that today. It's Tuesday, the 18th of October, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. And it's my wife's birthday today. I should say happy birthday, but there's no way in the world she's going to be listening to this. Besides that, we're, we live in the same house, so I'll just say hello to her after I finish the podcast. Meanwhile, uh, we've got a fall in the US. What's that about? It's got a fall in the US dollars, down 1.1% on the DXY. A rise in the pound might have a bit to do with that. That's at 1.6%, but the euro is also at 1.2%, and the Aussie dollar rising 1.4%, up to around 62.8 US cents this morning. UK 10-year gilt yields are down 36 basis. Basis points after the new Chancellor turned just about everything around that his predecessor had done after just a few weeks. 30-year yields where the Bank of England was uh, stepping in to protect pension funds, they're down 48 basis points. Yields also down 8 or 9 basis points for 10-year yields in Germany and France, but all fairly contained in terms of moves in the United States. In fact, 10-year treasuries are pretty flat this morning. And shares back on the up and up. The Nasdaq at close is up 3.4%. The S&P 500 has gained 2.7% and a 1.9% rise in the Dow. In Europe, we saw the Eurostox 50 up 1.8%, 1.7% for the DAX, and the FTSE 100 closed up 0.9%. Back in the States, by the way, the Russell 2000 is up 3.2%. And oil, well, if you asked me about an hour ago, I'd say that it was all up about 1%, but not anymore. We've got a 0.2% fall in WTI, and Brent is stuck around uh, 91.60 a barrel. So, Sally All joins me this morning from JB Weir in Sydney. So, morning, Sally. How much of this confidence that we're seeing in the markets today in the US and Europe comes from what's happening in the UK, where they, basically the, the government has reversed all their tax cuts, uh, which would have uh, been funded by increased borrowing. So they've got this much more fiscally conservative approach in the hope that that's going to win over the markets. It looks like it's sort of worked uh, by abandoning tax cuts, promising cuts to spending. So a complete reversal from what their prime minister had talked about when she uh, she came in and, and, and took centre stage. So how much of what we're seeing today is just a spillover from that? around the world. Yeah, good morning, Phil. So that was a a pretty significant reversal over in in the UK. (laughs) It sure was. And, you know, I think after the Prime Minister's press conference on Friday, which markets did not react well to, there was really, um, I think, Mm. not a lot of choice for the new Chancellor except to come out and and reverse most of uh, the policy platform that that Truss was um, appointed on. Um, the, The interesting thing is, as you said, it was received very well by UK financial markets. So gilt yields down a lot um, and sterling up, um, you know, just under 2%. Um, There's still another sort of 40 billion pounds worth of savings that still need to be found um, in order to to close that fiscal gap um, that the Treasury identified Mm. over the weekend. And so that will mean that, you know, more spending cuts will come and possibly tax hikes as well. So the story is, is not yet over. Um, in the UK, but it was certainly enough, I think, to give risk sentiment a meaningful boost um, yeah. for the first. Well, yields trading... aren't back where they were, are they? I mean, thirty years no, were all. below three point six percent. They're now still up at four point four percent. So there's a, absolutely. There's a so those longer term borrowing costs are, you know, still sort of about seventy five basis points above where they where they were mm. pre um, the mini budget that kicked all of this drama off. So 
Um, you know, the UK is, is definitely not out of the woods yet, but I think, um, you know, some of those measures that, that were reversed, you know, effectively eliminate um, the policy platform that, that Truss had put together. And so, you know, for markets where, you know, last week was a pretty dire week, um, you know, particularly on, on equity markets, um, I think there was enough in all of this just to, just to, to stop the damage um, and, and deliver a pretty, pretty impressive reversal um, mm. across most e equity markets overnight. The question is, you know, is, as you said, is this enough to sustain a, another bear market rally? Um, you know, I think probably sentiment and positioning had got to the point where, um, you know, there wasn't that much further for the market to fall in the near term. And so, you know, depending on what plays out, you could see equity markets run with this for a little bit longer. But I do think it's worth sort of remembering that, you know, the fundamentals haven't changed. We saw some really quite hawkish comments from Fed uh, official James Bullard over the weekend where he was effectively saying, you know, we need to go another 150 basis points before the end of the year on the Fed funds right. rate. Um, so the inflation problem hasn't disappeared. Um, the labour market is is looking like it's just starting to soften a bit, but it still remains very robust. Um, and, you know, the Fed still has more work to do to be so, sure that inflation can come back to target consistent levels. Yeah, a lot of work to do. Absolutely. So just quickly finishing off on the UK. So the expectation now from the Bank of England is that they're going to downgrade their, their plan for rate act. I think the market expectation, which has sort of peaked at six and a quarter, is down to uh, what five five point two percent now. So that's uh, that that's that's quite a drop. I mean, it's still higher than it was, though. Again, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, the market, you know, at, at the height of all this drama, the market was basically saying at, at the Bank of England's next meeting in early November, they were going to have to raise rates somewhere between 150 and 200 basis points at that <laughs> meeting. Now the market's saying, you know, you don't need to do that, but you're still going to do a 100 basis point rate hike. Um, and, and the mm. pressure will be on on the Bank of England in the sense that they did disappoint at their last meeting and the, and the market thought that what they delivered, which was a 50 basis point rate hike, wasn't hawkish enough. Um, and so in, in a world where, um, you know, the credibility of some of the UK's, you know, premier institutions is is sort of under threat. Um, you know, I think the the Bank of England will will deliver something meaningful. But you're right. So the the market has taken out a lot of that additional tightening and sort of looking for the the policy rate to peak a bit over five percent um, so, in the middle mm. of next year. So I'm curious how much of what we're seeing then uh, in the states, like you know, the fact that we have seen this rebound in equities and the fact that the U.S. dollar is down so much and the pound has gained so much ground, how much of that is is down to what's been happening in in the U.K. So that sort of like spread some some positive sentiment. I mean, in in America, obviously the Bank of America as well. We saw strong earnings there, so that's that's mm -hmm. helped with equities a, a little bit as well. But I mean, is this so? If it is the U.K. that's been driving this a little bit today, I mean, that is sort of like one or two day news. Uh, we'll get to the end of the week, and everyone will have forgotten who Liz Truss was, <laughs> uh, and uh, and she'll be doing some other job. And um, you know, maybe the markets will have settled down a bit, and then do do we then get back down, down to fundamentals about where the Fed is heading? Yeah, unfortunately, you know, that would be my sense that this has been a nice little relief rally, um, and you know, that was good news for the UK that the Chancellor came out and and effectively, I think, put a bit of a line in the sand and said, you know, we're we're not going down this path. Um, and as we talked about, markets have accepted that as as good news. And, and I do think that's probably what has spurred the, the reversal in risk sentiment. It's interesting. I mean, you look at the US Treasury market and 10-year 10 10 -year yields, you know, not really much. haven't moved. Yeah, they're, yeah. you know, one to two basis points lower. So it's not like um, the big moves in the UK bond market um, translated across to, to the US market um, mm. at all. 
And and like I said, you know, the, the fundamentals in the US haven't really changed. The Fed is hawkish. Inflation remains a problem. Um, yeah. And we saw on Friday night, you know, inflation expectations ticked up a little bit. So, um, yes, yeah. I, I, I don't think there's a, a whole lot more to it than that. Yeah, so short term. Yeah, a bit of buying the dip maybe. So mm. the the, um, the Empire State Manufacturing Index was worse than expected, wasn't it, uh, overnight? So 22.8% said business conditions were better. 31, uh, 31.9% said they were lower. So that's a net minus 9.1 versus minus 1.5 last time. And to give you a taste of the report, uh, I don't have the the attention span to read the whole thing, so I just read the subheadings, but they tell you everything. Uh, conditions weaken, input price increases pick up. Uh, conditions not expected to improve. They, they were the subheadings. We could probably cope with those weaker conditions if we knew prices were falling. But there's uh, the fact that the you know the input prices are still going up. There's this resilience, isn't there, for whatever reason that is keeping inflation high. Yeah, that's right. So I think um, you know, the Empire Business Survey was interesting. I mean, these surveys are generally weakening as we move into the end of the year. Um, but yeah. there are a couple of things I thought was interesting. You, you know, the, definitely the prices paid index that may reflect what's going on with um, you know oil prices in particular. But also, what's interesting is that prices paid was up on the month. Prices paid, um, uh, sorry, prices received is now actually lower than, than prices paid. And that sort of tells you a story around margins. And this is why, you know, I think it, it makes sense just to be a little bit more cautious on, on equity markets in general, because we know that margins have to start to get squeezed yeah. um, when the demand environment weakens. So that was interesting. The other thing I thought that was interesting was that the employment index in that survey also weakened in the month. And they have generally been a little bit more resilient in these business surveys. So yet another piece of evidence that suggests that, you know, we are starting to see some of the heat come out of the labour market, which of course is what the Fed wants. Yeah, um, so that's, but yes, that's, you know, that's the, one of those the, bad news is good news things. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, the, the, that whole manufacturing sector, I think in the US is, you know, one of the, the parts of the economy that we can point to and say, look, we are starting to see some weakness there. And I think that in a part is driven by the, the strength in the US dollar. So obviously, you know, manufacturing is pretty sensitive to, to what's going on with the dollar and that's had an extraordinary run. Um, but I think it does reinforce that, um, you know, while economists have actually been lifting their third quarter GDP forecasts in the US of late, as we head into year end and, and start thinking about what happens in 2023, I think it's clear that some of the momentum is, is coming out of, of what was a pretty strong US economy for most of this year. Right. And yet, you know, compared to the rest of the world, it might still be doing somewhat better. So, I mean, we've still got, you know, I mean, what's going to slow down the US dollar? Because we you were still saying 150 basis points before Christmas coming out from the Fed. So that's going to, you know, keep the dollar high. And then if we look at the US and compare it to Europe, I mean, we've, uh, you know, Europe has got more, while demand driven inflation is certainly a factor in the US, and they don't have that to the same extent in Europe. Europe has also got, you know, all these supply factors at play, plus the risk because they're close to the war. And we've got uh, Iranian drones now being used to bomb Kiev overnight. You know, that, mm. that war is just accelerating. The EU is now saying, look, we're going to have to protect critical infrastructure from attack because there's been acts of sabotage. Who knows who's doing that? Any guesses? Uh, <laughs> but uh, all all of that is just adding to the risk all the more reason for the u.s to be to be a safe haven if we look at you know where you're going to put your money u.s or europe how's that going to stop yeah absolutely and and so you know when we look at the fundamentals you know a lot of fx at least in the short term is driven by interest rate differentials um and so you look at what the markets are priced in for for europe and and they basically say you know maybe the cash rate gets 
um, to 3% by the middle of, of next year. Whereas, you know, in the US, we're talking about a peak in the in the Fed funds rate that's closer to five. So you've got this very big interest rate differential between, um, you know, Europe and the US. And so the the carry or the, you know, the, the sort of the, the, the benefit you get from holding US dollars versus euro is is very elevated at the moment. And, and of course, all those idiosyncratic factors that, that are weighing on the European outlook, like the energy shock, um, and then obviously, as you said, it's proximity to, to the conflict in, in Ukraine. And I think also you've got that broader story playing out, which is that when you know investors worry about the outlook um, and when risk markets uh, or equity markets aren't performing well, you know, people do flock to the US dollar. It is that reserve currency and it does tend to do well in periods of, of global risk aversion. So it's almost like, um, you know, all the fundamentals are pointing to, to the dollar outperforming. And when you look at what else you might buy um, next to the dollar, you know, Europe is a bit difficult. Clearly, sterling has been extremely difficult. And and in Japan, you know, the, the yen is um, continuing to weaken despite Bank of Japan intervention because you know, the Bank of Japan continues to be um, pretty dovish. So mm. it's almost like, you know, what else do you buy um, when, when you're looking at the majors and, and the dollar seems to, to come out on top on, on most measures? So, uh, well, you wouldn't buy the Aussie dollar, sadly, would you? But although today, 2.5%, uh, well, big jump today, isn't it, in the Aussie mm. dollar? We've, but, but we've seen a 2.5% fall in iron ore. Even so, you know, the Aussie dollar's up. But I guess some of that is the, the flow-on effect, isn't it, from, uh, from the strength we've seen in the, in the pound and then the weakening of the, the US dollar. So that could be a, a one-day thing. Uh, but what about, uh, you know, our position with China? So we've got... Uh, the National Congress of China Communist Party going on this week. Interesting mm-hmm. that they've delayed the GDP results that are <laughs> due out today uh, while that, con- well, that, uh, that conference is going on. Presumably, yes. I mean, they're not, yeah, they're not that- very good, perhaps, and they don't <laughs> want to ruin the flavour. They don't want to change the mood. I know. That was quite interesting, that, um, that little development, um, because, of course, in 2017, when they last had the Congress, um, you know, the GDP numbers came out as, as scheduled. So the National mm. Bureau of Statistics did put out a release saying it's delayed. They didn't give a date. Um, and that was interesting because generally, I mean, these are the numbers for the third quarter and, and economists were expecting those numbers to be pretty decent. So the consensus was saying GDP should be up about 2.8% um, quarterly annualised. And and so, I uh, sorry, just for the quarter. And, and so you know, the expectation was that the number was looking pretty decent. So I guess the benign interpretation is, is that it's all about the Congress at the moment. And, um, you know, we don't want any distractions, whether they're good or bad. Um, but yes, I think, um, you know, those, good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Clearly. but you know, maybe the, the suspicion is that the numbers weren't as, as good as, um, they should have been. And, um, Mm, and therefore, you know, them. Yeah, yeah, we didn't want the the distraction from what is obviously a pretty important event on the Chinese political calendar. So that one's a little bit intriguing, and they didn't give us a date. So we'll we'll sort of sit here and and hope maybe next Monday when they release the the, the sort of schedule for data releases that um, GDP will be on the list. Mm. Maybe if they're really bad, they'll just come out at some time when we're all completely distracted. Christmas Day. Not watching. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, the RBA minutes are out this morning. We know they're definitely happening. 11.30 this morning in Sydney and Melbourne and time. Uh, so, uh, I mean, of course, that last meeting was, you know, the expectation was we were going to see a 50 basis point rise. We only saw a 25 basis point rise. So maybe the minutes will give us some colour on the reasoning behind that. Yeah, I think that's right. They, I mean, they certainly wrong-footed the market there. I mean, I suspect it'll be a combination of they did give us a little bit of a hint and say, look, you know, we have come a long way in a short space of time, so maybe it just makes sense just to to pull back a little bit. Um, and I suspect they were 
also at a point where the risk to the outlook had become a little bit more two-sided. So not just sort of upside risk to the economy and inflation, but starting to, to see some downside risk, probably in the form of what was going on um, with the global economy. And of course, they do have this narrative that we are a bit different here in Australia. Wages growth isn't anywhere near as strong as it is in, in the US and headline mm. inflation isn't anywhere near as high as it is in places like the UK and, and Europe. And so maybe you know, that, that tells us that the case for really aggressive rate rises isn't as compelling here. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll hear all those sort of stories, but I think also the RBA is still at pains to say, you know, we haven't given up and bringing inflation back to target still remains the priority. So, um, yeah. you know, just be on notice that if things change and the data says that, you know, we do need to deliver more or possibly even go back to clips of 50, then then we'll do it. And so that's why the inflation numbers here in Australia later this month are going to be really important, um, as is the next wages number uh, in in November, so we'll wait well, and see as to whether yeah. the RBA's you know shifting gear was was the right thing to do. Well, New Zealand doesn't have to wait long at all, do they? Because they their inflation numbers are out uh, this morning. It was seven point three percent last time. The hope is that it'll come down. Let's see what uh, a three and a half percent interest rate can do uh, to <laughs> that. And uh, we get the uh, Zoo Economic uh, Sentiment Survey mm. as well out today for the Euro area and for Germany. Don't know what they're going to be, but we know they're not going to be good. Uh, let's put it that way. Uh, but we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, Sally. Uh, we'll catch you again very soon. Thanks for coming on. Thanks very much, Phil. The next part of the UK soap opera, of course, is when does Liz Trust go? Sometime this week, almost certainly. You can see it in her eyes. Uh, that's it for today on The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then.